are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from Caveat in New York City, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. What a nice, generous New York City crowd. Helen, how have you been enjoying your time back here in New York City where you grew up? My hometown. One yes. of my first memories is of uh, toddling on subway grates. So it's really nice to be back. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Your parents just put you down on yeah, subway grates they to did. toddle? Yeah, they were like, here, toddle away yeah. on this dirty New York City street. Well, that was before we had like safety equipment and standards <laughs> and stuff. It was and, before and child tennis. safety laws. Yeah. It is really, really nice to be back and uh, see the old sites. A lot of the old sites have changed, though. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of things are, are, are Quiznos now. I know. I went to my old block in the East Village, and the great, uh, um, like, shady bodega there is now a 7-Eleven. And I was like, ew, hashtag late-stage capitalism. <laughs> uh, the place I was staying in, uh, in Brooklyn earlier this week, uh, there was a, a nearby bodega that had not yet been 7-Eleven, and it had a cat. It had a bodega cat. Uh, the bodega cats are the best. Two of my very favorite things combined. My dad, uh, when I when I was growing up in Flatbush, Brooklyn, my dad owned like a like a rotisserie chicken slash Jamaican beef patty shop. And did you ever work uh, in the in the shop? There? I didn't. They they never made me work. But we had a bodega cat. Like we had a cat to kill the rats or whatever, keep mm-hmm. the rats away. And uh, at eight or nine years old, I actually serenaded the cat by singing the theme song from Cats. In meow voice. I think we need to hear a little bit of that, don't we, audience? <clears throat> now, is it by theme song? You mean memory? Or- meow, 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 meow. The cat was not impressed. Oh, but we are, ladies and gentlemen, Thank Helen you. Hong. Thank you. I have to say, Helen, every time we do the show, I discover something new about you, your family, your talents, right? and it's always a tiny bit frightening, but also very interesting. <laughs> uh, we're so happy to have you. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? She is a comedian, author, and host of NPR's Ask Me Another. It's Ophira Eisenberg. Ophira Eisenberg. There she is. Get that microphone nice and close to your mouth. You you know how to handle a microphone on a I've had a microphone in my past. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful to see you. Nice to see you. Ophira, I've known you for many years. Yes. I consider us friends. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to go with that too. You're going to go with that I consider us friends. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, okay. I like it. Yes, we are friends. Okay, very good. Helen mentioned in your introduction, of course, that you were the host of NPR's Ask Me Another. How long have you been doing that? Uh, Five years. And were you a trivia buff before that? I'm I'm not ever (laughs) up and, and never will be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's just not how am I. Thing. Yeah, this is something yeah. the two of you have in common is that you both are on very popular NPR trivia shows. Yes. Yeah. Helen is on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me uh, very often. And neither of you have much of interest in trivia. No. No. Which no, we, I like Which is uh, great for our trivia show today. Yeah. <laughs> I like talking about feelings. Oh, okay. Yeah. How, how are you yeah. feeling? <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> good, good talk, Ophira. Uh, you've gotten to travel a lot uh, because of the show and because of your yeah. stand-up. You yeah. recently played a very prestigious venue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love I love saying it because I don't often get to say it. I was uh, I did some stand-up, an hour stand-up at the Kennedy Center what? in Washington. Well, hello. Yeah. Just, Super yeah. impressive. They do a, a really cool comedy festival there if you're ever in the area. And they do comedy throughout the year in the Kennedy mm-hmm. Center. There are many rooms. So, uh, I mean, it's huge. So as I was walking in to go find the room where I was doing my show on the terrace level, you know, there's just hordes of people going in. And I was like, <gasps> wow, there's so many people coming to my show. Turns out Hamilton was in another <laughs> room. <laughs> so, but yeah, but there's a, there's a lot Wait, of Wait, there's a Kennedy Center Comedy Festival? Yeah, it's they do it at the Kennedy Center, but it's called the District of Comedy Festival. Okay. And they do it at the Kennedy Center. Yeah. Bad. What an honor. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That statue of Lincoln is crying, though, now. <laughs> um, a Canadian in my country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Ophira, we're certainly happy that you joined us and happy for all of your success. Please uh, say thank you to Ms. Ophira Eisenberg. Helen, against whom will Ophira be competing today? He is an actor and Tony-nominated writer whose plays include Die, Mommy, Die, Psycho Beach Party, and Tale of the Allergist's Wife. It's Charles Bush! Charles Bush! Hello, everyone. (laughs) Welcome, Charles. Mild applause for your ability to speak into a microphone, (laughs) Charles. Uh, Helen, in your introduction, mentioned Die, Mommy, Die, which I recently saw with one of our former guests, Drew Drogi, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, It's a great play, and and, uh, for those who don't know it, you take a lot of uh, sort of traditional movie tropes from a a certain style and and put them into a play, and then you actually made a movie uh, of a play about those tropes that you starred in. Yes, and I'm going to be doing that play in L.A. again as a radio show. Oh, wonderful. Uh, So I've played it on stage, film, and radio. Wow, Wow. triple threat. So I need to do it on television, and I've got it. And in Die, Mommy, Die, you are performing in drag, as you you often do. Yeah, just about... um, I guess for the past, um, it's only been about 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just a phase. It's just a phase. <laughs> I hope I'm not being typed. No, I, I guess I've, I've played about you know 36 drag roles. Actually, it was kind of funny. You know, I, I don't really pr- pursue a regular acting career. Mm-hmm. But uh, recently, just about a week ago, I had an audition. It was for the first time in 28 years for a, for a it's kind of a big deal. It was a mini series, and the role was it was a big part for like six episodes as an aging female impersonator. Mm. And so I, I just, you know, they put me on tape, and, and I thought it was went pretty well. And then I, I got a message: um, you're not the right type. <laughs> wow. Not a good you as a drag. Not performer. a good fit. I didn't Aww. believe you were an aging female impersonator. Yeah. What do you find the most challenging? The wigs, the heels, or the corsets? Well, you know, it's a funny thing is that and I think it's sort of true of a lot of actors. We're just so used to being uncomfortable. <laughs> I think that the pain tolerance <laughs> for actors is so much higher than normal people because we're just all, you know, when you do a play, you know, the shoes don't necessarily always fit. You know, and then for me, you know, you know, I'm so trussed up and the things and the, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting. I think I'm just so used to it. It's a little bit of pain. And I think it's good for you on stage to have a little bit of pain. Oh. Are you in a little bit of pain right now? Agony. <laughs> Agony, darling. Agony. Agony. <laughs> uh, you are a Tony nominee for your play, The Tale of the Allergist yeah. Wife. Wow. Yes. Wow. You're very kind. Very kind. What was, what was your Tony Award experience like? Well, I was, 
up against these people. I, 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 who ever heard, I'd never heard of them, these lightweight people. But <laughs> August Wilson and uh, <laughs> Tom Stoppard, somebody like oh, that. Oh, God. I, 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 he is, like, I can just say, Tom Stoppard, not a great drag performer. Who are they? Yeah. I never, and, uh, and then, oh, there was this other play I, I never heard of called Proof. You know, and oh, uh, hmm. I, you know, so I thought I was going to win, really, up to the very last <laughs> second. And uh, so, uh, somehow I got canceled out. I don't know. Oh. But, yeah. You split but, the vote. But it, but it was it was really thrilling because I never, ever thought that would happen. Wow. And, and it is kind of cool, though, when you, in a sense, know that there's no way you can win this. <laughs> that it gives you this enormous freedom and of being at this extraordinary event. That's uh, how I feel about this show. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know, honey. I don't know. See, I, have a pro- I freeze upon interrogation. So oh. this, could not, this could be proof fatal today. <laughs> <laughs> you are a very prolific writer. You've done over 25 plays, a dozen solo shows, novels. Do you have a discipline for, for uh, getting yourself to, to write, or is that it's such a joy for you that you don't need to motivate yourself? It's very yourself? hard um, when there's nothing on paper. It's, it does require great discipline to somehow just sit there and <laughs> come up with something. But then... You know, when you actually have something down, it's, it, I find it's almost an addiction to just keep going in, in five times a day into the computer to, you know, change one word, change it back, change it. I, uh, I'll love it. I'll love it. And we love having you here, Mr. Charles Bush, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Ophira and Charles, we've asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have expertise. Ophira, yes. you said you know a lot about Canadian geography. Canadian food, (laughs) and the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. Somehow not related to Canada, the last one. Uh, Tell us a little bit about each of those. Uh, First, you said you know a lot about Canadian geography. Yeah, I grew up in Canada, and I just figured that would be something that I would have an edge on. (laughs) <laughs> All right. <laughs> and no one, everyone would be like, maybe. Yeah, that's you know? right. How could we know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, then second, you said you know a lot about Canadian food. Well, you know, Canada has like a huge problem my entire life growing up with this idea that it had no cuisine. Mm-hmm. And it's true, it's quite regional. It's not very national. Uh, but now there's like this whole, there's a like last I would say decade, there's this whole thing where it's like, Cana- there's Canadian food restaurants. There's a lot of focus on what is Canadian foods has become cute and uh, exportable. So, wow. yeah. Very good. And then finally, you said you know a lot about the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is my favorite movie. Really? Mm-hmm. I've watched it a lot. I wouldn't say, just so you know, I don't know if we do that topic, but I'm not someone that's like, this actor played that, this actor played that. No. The movie itself is, I've watched it so many times, I basically modeled my entire life <laughs> uh, on the character Marion Ravenwood uh, trying to drink people under the table and punch guys in the face. And, uh, uh, first good, half yes. only, first half only. A lot of support. Of the movie. Second half, she does a lot of going, Indy, Indy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, not yeah, your jam. No, no, no. no, no. Me neither. Yeah. And uh, yeah, can we reveal to the people what you have named your child? Based on your love of Raiders? Oh, uh, Lucas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Her, her child no, is named Lucas. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag because my husband's a huge Star Wars nerd mm-hmm. and it just, there happened to be crossover. Right. And I also never dated a guy named Lucas. So that means. <laughs> <laughs> the one name that was still available. <laughs> Excellent. And Charles, you said you know a lot about women's fashion of the 1930s. The movie. <laughs> remember, remember when you said that? I, I'm trying to establish my heterosexual cred. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it gets more butch from there. 
<laughs> the movie Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, yeah. And Betty Davis. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Charles, Charles I, I take your it your selections yeah. are your selections are very on brand. Yes. yes, yes. Well, the Rosemary's Baby isn't necessarily. Yeah, I was expecting to talk about hockey with you, but uh, I guess yeah, that didn't no, work yeah, out. Tell us a little bit about each of those topics: women's fashion of the 1930s. Well, I've worn so many. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Well, it was a very. Um, Interesting period of um, change for for women and some extraordinary designers first began their brand Mm -hmm. in the 30s. All right. You said you also know a lot about the movie Rosemary's Baby. Love that movie. I suppose, well, most of my favorite movies are from the 30s and and 40s. And so uh, it's one of my few um, contemporary films that I I love. Yes. So current. Yes. And finally, you said you know a lot about Betty Davis. Uh, yeah, I just think she's, you know, uh, you know, there's this great pantheon of um, actresses in the uh, 30s and 40s. And um, I think she's, for me, she's the most interesting, most versatile. Excellent. Well, later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person does have a chance to steal. Your subjects today, the streets of New York. Oh. Up first, Ophira. Yes. Ophira, your question comes to us from a listener, Kyle McGowan of Arlington, Virginia, who, by the way, saw you perform at the Kennedy Center the other night. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle asks, what is the difference between cement and concrete? Cement and concrete. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, both. Both. Okay, cement and concrete. They are different, as it turns out. As, <laughs> this is breaking um, news for you, yeah, I think. Yeah, right. Yes. But if, finally enough is that if you look at them, they look very similar yes, to, they the, do. to the naked eye. Right, to the right. naked eye. Right, but to the... To the uh, but they're definitely made of a different... How about, you know what? Can I be... I'll be vague. They're made of different chemical compounds. Made of different chemical It's a different compounds. mixture. I'm going to say cement has uh, cement has um, probably something extra in it. I bet concrete is in cement. How about that? Concrete is in cement. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Cement is in concrete. Cement is in concrete. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Wait, wanna... wait, wait, wait. Wait. Okay. No, I'm sticking no, no, with you're going to stick with that. You're going to say cement <laughs> is in concrete. Sure. All right. Very good. We have Ophira's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Charles, if you think she doesn't have it exactly right, you can steal. What do you think? I think that she was not correct. Oh. I believe that, um, I think that um, cement is a, is a, a finer, um, it's, a, it's kind of a finer sieve. A finer? Oh, you mean s- like cement is fancy concrete? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So, I like that. More, more of an Upper West Side. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. In the finer homes you would have. In the finer homes. Cement. You know, cement like, oh, I went, to this, I went to this woman's home. Can you believe she had concrete? In, in her Terrible. kitchen. In her oh. kitchen. Disgusting. Oh, well, I never. She All right. Well, this afford cement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This segment has reached the end of the road. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Cement is a powder usually made of limestone and clay, or the paste that comes from mixing the powder with water. The most common kind is called Portland cement. It's used in specialized masonry to cement things together and in small projects like grouting between tiles. Oh, and it's a major ingredient in concrete. Wait a second, I got that right. Because concrete begins with a base of cement paste 
which is then strengthened by adding aggregates such as sand and gravel. That's right. Now, the strong adhesive properties of the cement combine with the strength of the sand and gravel to make the building material concrete, which is used in roads, bridges, driveways, sidewalks, and skyscrapers. So what does it mean as far as our points go, Helen? I'm going to say Ophira got one point because you did say cement is in concrete, which is correct. And then also, Charles, you got a point because you said cement is a finer sieve, I believe. Oh, which is true. One point each. Very good. Yep. All right. Up next in the topic of the streets of New York, Charles. Charles, this question also comes from a listener, Danyal Imami of Houston, Texas who did not see you perform. I'm sorry, Danielle, but still we'll read your question. Danielle asks, there are many different regional names for freeways, including expressway, motorway, or throughway, but they're all essentially the same thing. But what is the difference between a freeway and a highway? A freeway and a highway. I'm just going to sort of guess. Freeway, highway. Freeway, I always think in terms of California, somehow, Mm -hmm. the freeway. So I would say that the freeway is when it goes off a highway, into a, another another direction. It goes off the highway yeah, into like, another like direction. Yeah, there's a highway, and then you have to take an exit onto a freeway. Okay. Yeah. And a highway instead is? Just goes straight without looking back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, yeah. just hit the road and leave the wife yeah. and kids behind. Yeah. Uh, I or like husband the way and you kids drive. or something. I like the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, Helen, do you, do you understand that answer? I do. <laughs> okay, good. That's I, what's important. I took notes. Excellent. Like an Odette's play, my answer. All right. Uh, we have Charles's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Ophira, do you think he got it exactly right? Uh, I would say he's almost perfectly right. When I'm on a highway, I never come back. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way. So I'm going to hazard to guess because I do not know that a highway, uh, freeways are within a municipal area wa- mm-hmm. wa- uh, as opposed to highways which are leading out. Ooh. All right. Wow. Uh, well, it's time for us to take the exit off of this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A highway is any roadway that connects two or more cities. It can have multiple lanes in each direction, but not necessarily. Also, a highway might have intersections with other streets. A freeway is a divided highway that always has multiple lanes on each side. It also has what's called controlled access, meaning there are no intersections with other streets. So to get on or off of a freeway, you have to use a ramp. That's right. All freeways are highways, but not all highways are freeways. Whoa, so man, right? Freeways have control issues. Yeah, so I, th- I, think, uh, I think each of you got, uh, got a little bit of that flip, but what does that in fact mean as far as our scoring goes, Helen? I think each <laughs> of you got half a point? Yeah, sure. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I'm going to give each of you a half a point. Why not? You came all this way. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Helen, what does that mean as far as our score is at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Ophira Eisenberg has a point and a half, and Charles Bush has a point and a half. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. <laughs> And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, Helen, we're in New York. You know what that means? Hooking up with my ex. Good for you. No, that's not really what I had in mind. I actually meant theater. Theater. Yeah, and if you love theater, you'll love ShowScore, the one-stop shop for theater lovers. They list all the shows playing in New York, on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. All the reviews from critics and members, all the prices, including discounts, lotteries, and fees, all in one place. Well, that's a lot. How can I keep track of it all? Well, you track the shows you want to see by creating a wish list. And twice a month, ShowScore's fairy stage mother will grant one lucky member's wish and provide them two tickets to a show on their list. Two 
tickets, so maybe I could take my ex? Oh, Helen. <laughs> I worry about you so, so much. Mm-mm. So does my mother. Mm. How do I join Show School? Oh, I'm so happy you asked. Yeah. Membership is free and fast. All you need is an email address or Facebook login. Go to showscore.com. That's show-score.com. And become a member for free today. Show Score. By theater fans. For theater fans. Thank you, Show Score. Thank you, Show Score. In a world dominated by Dude Bro Movie Podcasts. A world where Casey Affleck has an Oscar and Angela Bassett does not. Only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit. Who shot ya? With Ricky Carmona. A lot of people don't know Porks, Puerto Rican. Alonzo Duralde. I would eat Oakjaw. <gasps> April Wolf. I want to interrupt and say yes. that the fish man was real sexy. Drea Clark. I have a real soft spot for King Kong. And women of color. I was like, damn! Right, Kugel got final cut! Kugel got final cut! I just felt like the film was so sour and so completely irrelevant to basically anything in life. Who shot ya? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Ophira Eisenberg with a point and a half and Charles Bush with a point and a half. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> My friend Ophira Eisenberg, are you all right? <laughs> Your head there is... There is something uh, like hilariously condescending about someone being like, Ophira Eisenberg with a point and a half. <laughs> Do you want to take I away mean, the I half? I know it's accurate, yeah. but it is hilarious. All right, well, let's see if you can add to that score okay. in this segment, because of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Canadian. Canadian geography, Canadian food, and the Canadian version of Raiders of the Lost That's Ark. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Has a lot of differences. That's where he apologizes to the big boulder, right? <laughs> yeah. Today we want to talk to you about Canadian food. What? That's All right. right. All right. So uh, you mentioned earlier that there isn't necessarily a, a distinct By the Canadian... way, the snake in Raiders of the Lost Ark's name is Reggie. Okay, let's okay. go. Oh. <laughs> you are a fan. You are a fan. Uh, so let's talk to you about Canadian food. Uh, yeah. How would you describe Canadian cuisine? Well, uh, <laughs> bland? Uh, no, no, no. Now you're going to get letters from Canadians. I really enjoy, um, it is uh, It is like, uh, maybe like most food that is, is exportable, it's comfort food or it's mm-hmm. like fun mm. snacks, mm. right? Mm. It's not like an entree. It's not like a, it's not like uh, you associate Italian food with pasta or mm-hmm. something like that. It is um, snack-based and comfort food. <laughs> snack-based. It's, ba- it's mostly something you're going to eat after 1 a.m. Okay. okay. I, I can ah. appreciate that. Uh, do you miss certain foods? Uh, when you're away or that, anything that you crave when you come back to Canada to visit? Um, you know, there's, well, first of all, our pop or soda, as you call it here, is made with sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, Yeah, it's made with sugar, not corn syrup. Mind-blowing. So it actually tastes totally different. It's like how people here always want imported yeah. Coca-Cola products. Mm-hmm. But, they, uh, but we call it Mexican Coke, but we could also call it Canadian you Coke. You could. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're hanging on to it. <laughs> and um, there is something weird, and I've yet to dissect what the ingredient difference is, but Craft mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. What I believe is made with real cheese. Stop it! Uh, but it is, uh, and in if on the west coast you make something called Skier's Delight, which is where you mix craft uh, mac and cheese with chopped green onion and ketchup. Ooh. And that's what you eat you after. Don't knock it till okay. you try. All right. I'm just saying, after Dave skiing, it's amazing. <laughs> Ooh. 
All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Canadian food to test your mastery in this subject There's with our expert th- level question. Really? Yes. That's the premise of the show. I know. I'm okay. just surprised you found someone. <laughs> that question will be worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Okay. Now, if you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Okay. Now, Charles, do listen closely because if Ophira answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer you can steal. Charles, by the way, how much do you know about Canadian food? Um, I adore it. <laughs> I, I, I'm quite an aficionado, yes. yes their, yeah. their, their bacon, yes, Canadian bacon, yes. Yeah. You're starting early on your Betty Davis uh, knowledge, I see. <laughs> yeah, All right, yeah. uh, here is question number one for Ophira Eisenberg Uh-oh. about Canadian food. Ophira, what is Canada's largest quick service restaurant chain known for its coffee and donuts? Timmy's. Also known as? Tim Hortons. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. <laughs> fun fact their donut holes are called Timbits. That's not a fun fact, that's just a fact. Oh, okay. Uh, for, our, for our American oh, audience, no, that might but be when fun. When you're eating it, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. And do, you, do you have a favorite item at Tim Hortons? Uh, I, like the, uh, I like the fritters. They do good apple fritters. That was actually my favorite thing. And long johns, you guys don't call them long johns. Mm. What do you call the long kind of the eclairs things with chocolate on the top of it? Eclairs? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, we call them Long John's. Oh, my God. I'm just realizing how Canadian that is. Yeah. (laughs) It is. Uh, And then when you order a coffee and you want it, uh, everyone does this regionally. Like light and sweet, the standard thing at a Tim Hortons, you say double-double. Double, Ooh. double. Ooh. I just taught you all the things you know to move there. I know it's a lot of people's <laughs> plan B. Well, there's a bus waiting outside for all <laughs> of us. Exactly. Let's go. It's like a different country. Uh, yeah. It's all right, like Ophelia. a different country. That's right. Yeah. Over here, here's question number two. In the early part of this decade, thieves stole 3,000 tons of what Canadian food stuff valued at $18.7 million? Although, remember, that's just Canadian dollars. <laughs> At the beginning of this century? Yeah, at the beginning of this decade. Well, you know, um, the th- one thing I remember from popular culture is that a valuable food item is uh, pork. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say uh, it's our famous back bacon. Helen? That is not correct. No, oh. I'm sorry. Charles with a chance to steal. I would say, wait, if I get it wrong, do I get penalized? Oh, um, Elk. Was it elk, Helen? It was not elk. No, believe it or not, it was maple syrup. Oh. They stole 3,000 tons yeah. of maple syrup. It's pricey. Uh, by the way, Canada has a cartel that controls over 70% of the world's supply. See, here's the problem. It's technique. All you have to do to get maple syrup is ask. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> ask a tree? Who do you ask? No, just ask a Canadian. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but $18.7 million worth? Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, can you ask you gotta ask that. a few, like five. Okay. <laughs> Are you holding right now? Do you, <laughs> yeah, do you have maple syrup on you I'm right holding. now? All right, let's see if we can bounce back with question number three. In Ontario, more than 75% of milk is sold in what type of container? Plastic bag. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. That is so weird. As creepy as that is, it's correct. <laughs> Fun fact, it is referred in some parts of Canada as milk water. Have you heard that phrase? Milk water? Milk water. I don't know what you're saying. No. M-I-L-K-W-U-T-T-E-R. Really? Milk water. Wow. Seems yeah. like it might be German. Milk water. It does, right. It sounds yeah. very... Milk yeah. water. Yeah. yeah. All right, number four. Also known as fry bread, what traditional food of Canada's indigenous people is now a staple of Canadian cuisine? Hmm. You do have a hint available. Um, fry bread. All right, yes. I'll take a hint. Helen, how about that hint? Don't panic. Bear's claws? Helen, is it bear's claws? It is not bear's Not bear's claws. claws. Beaver tails? No, only, only one guess. I'm just wondering whether it's it's some kind of an, an Indian thing, and if the, and if the anic is, rhymes with the Indian tribe. Like, and like, therefore your guess would be? I wouldn't know what it is. Well, try it. Like the, you know... Um, Mohawk, Mohawk Anik. 
Is it Mohawk Anik? <laughs> it is not Mohawk No, but you actually got the jive of the hint. Uh, yeah. It actually yeah. is called Bannock. Bannock right. is from the indigenous uh, people. All right. Uh, we, of course, are familiar with New York bagels, but Montreal has its own style of bagels. That's true. What are two of the four main differences in the preparation of Montreal bagels? Um, good question. I Thank think you. that uh, they're boiled. I think all bagels are boiled, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. They are smaller and flatter. Okay. Uh, so the way, I mean, geez, they're boiled and then they're put in a, um, well, first they are apologized to heavily. Uh, <laughs> and then they are, the, re- the middle of it is measured with the toonie. I'm just making this up. Okay. And then you put it <laughs> in a wood burning oven and that's it. All right, Helen. That is correct. That is okay, correct. Good. Those are two of the four. They are smaller. They do have a bigger hole. They're boiled in honey water. Honey water? Yes. They are baked mm. then in a wood-fired oven. Also, they contain no salt. They contain no salt. Yes. Oh. Traditionally, Montreal bagels have no they salt. They are so good. Anyone, when you're in Montreal, go to a bagel store. They 24 hours. You go there at 2 a.m. I'm yeah. telling you. What? And you get one out of the oven with nothing on it, like no cream cheese, sacrilege, mm-hmm. and just shove it in your mouth. You will be so happy. Ooh. Yeah, you will be. Shove like, it in your mouth. An endorsement from Canada's own, Afira Eisenberg. Uh, all right. Now, here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. Uh, this question is so high level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Of course, Ophira, we cannot talk about Canadian food without talking about poutine. This unofficial national food of Canada combines fries, gravy, and cheese curds and originated in Canada about 60 years ago. For up to three points, in what province was it invented? What does the word poutine translate to in English? And what was the first restaurant to put poutine on its written menu? All right, well, Quebec is the province. I'm going to say, boy, poutine, what does it translate to? It, it, I'm going to say um, a mixture. How mixture? about like okay. some, something like base of mixture? And what was the third thing? Third what, one was, well, what was the restaurant that first put poutine on I'm its gonna written menu? I'm going to say it was probably, it was either the main or, oh, wait a second, or it was Schwartz's or it was Dunn's. Wow, those are three possibilities and mm-hmm. probably all wrong. But I'm going <laughs> to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Dunn's. With Duns. All right. Uh, Helen is taking note of your answer. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Here with us today, we have one of the owners of Up North, a bar and restaurant in Brooklyn that specializes in Canadian food and drinks. It's Marcel Simono. Marcel Simono. Bonjour, Marcel. Bonjour, Marcel. Bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour, you are Quebecois? Yes, that is correct. Excellent. Welcome. Uh, tell us a little bit about Up North. Uh, it's a bar we opened about three months ago in Bushwick, and we serve six different types of poutines, burgers. It's also a bar, long list of cocktails, all dress chips, ketchup chips, coffee Caesars? crisps. Caesars? We have Caesars, yeah. yes. Uh, now, for those who don't know, what is a Caesar? A Caesar is a Canadian Bloody Mary, basically. Oh, What's sorry. different about it? Uh, we use Clamato juice, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is the number one drink of Canada. It is wow. amazing. Mm-hmm. And why did, what, what motivated you to open up a Canadian-themed bar? And I really wanted to get fat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's just nostalgia. My brother and I, Harold Simino, is my partner in the place. And we have another bar in Williamsburg called Norman's Kill, which is whiskey and grilled cheese. Uh-huh. Mm. So we were like, what else do we like? Which was poutine. And we were feeling nostalgic about Canada. We wanted to do something together, get some Canadian beers and do something different. Yeah. There's no real, like there's my land. There's a couple Canadian places that we love in the city. And yeah, it was just kind of a family nostalgia. Yeah, I don't think thing. I've ever heard of a Canadian restaurant 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of them. There's a few, yeah. Yeah, but you, you will agree that we've only embraced that we have food recently. Yeah, very recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very recently. Yeah. And uh, and uh, what do the local people of... It's in Bushwick, you said? Yep. What do the, the local Bushwickians uh, make of it when they first come in and, and see what you're offering? Uh, a lot of people were like, what's poutine? So oh, we, really? We, yeah, what? so a lot of people don't really know what it is, mm-hmm. so we explain that to them or make them taste it, and they seem to like it. Ophir, yeah. you live in Brooklyn. Yes, I know. I know Bushwick is... Mark's, we need to do... A, we need a shuttle. We need a Park Slope <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here today as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked of Ophira. Uh, Helen, let's remind everyone of the answers. First, we wanted to know in what province was poutine first invented. Uh, Helen, what did Ophira say? Ophira said Quebec. And Mircea Simoneau? That is correct. That is correct. One point for Ophira. Ben way. Ben way. Second, we wanted to know what the translation of poutine was. Helen, what did Ophira say? Ophira said mixture. Mm. I would accept that I th- because there's like 16 different descriptions. Yeah, it, of it what sort of comes from a, patois, a certain patois, yeah, of a like region of Quebec, pudding is one answer. Mess is another mm-hmm. one that's been yeah. said. And mixture, because it kind of like there's bad stew. There's all these mm-hmm. different descriptions. But you are experts, so you will give her the point on that. I would give her the point. That yes. is another point for Ophira. Mm. Ah. And, fantastic. and finally, we asked her for the name of the restaurant where poutine uh, first appeared mm. on the written menu. Helen, what did Ophira say? Ophira said Duns. Duns. Yeah, she mentions two other places, too, mm-hmm. which are all incorrect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, no, it's okay. It's uh, Le Roi Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. He claims it, actually. There's, right, well, there's a little bit of controversy about this. Tell well, us, because uh, we believe in teaching the controversy Yeah, the, he, because he actually has the patent for it, and it's the first one to put on the menu. Mm-hmm. Le Roi oh. Giuseppe is, is the name of the place. And there's this other place called Le Lutin qui rit, which is the elf that laughs, which is kind of a funny name uh, for what? a place. Say it again? Le, le Lutin qui rit. Oh le my lutin. God, I'm yeah. feeling feelings in my nethers. <laughs> le Lutin qui rit. No. Uh, so, but he was the first one to say it uh-huh. out loud, from my understanding. But and then there's another place that they just claim it as well. But there was, it's all like late nineteen, late late fifties. Mm-hmm. 1964 was the first time it was on the menu, and he got the patent from the Canadian copyright in people. Montreal are these places? Uh, Drum- Drummondville is oh, Le Giuseppe. And the other one is, it's in Quebec. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if people want to find out more about Up North and what you're up to, where can they go? Uh, upnorthbk.com or just Google Up North, which is all one word together. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're certainly happy that you joined us. Let's say thank you to Mr. Marcel Simoneau. Thank you. Simoneau. Thank you, Marcel. Let's get a score recap at the end of that round. At the end of that round, Ophira Eisenberg has six and a half points, and Charles Bush has one and a half points with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Charles about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Charles and Ophira will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we've got a new podcast on Maximum Fun called Wonderful. Wonderful. It's an enthusiast podcast where we talk about things that we're excited about and things that you're excited about. Things like overalls. 24-hour Sudafed. The grand prize game. The fact that wombats use their butts to kill predators. The soundtrack to the movie Dick Tracy. The beach potion we call Bud Light Line. All these things and more every Wednesday, and we'll also talk about things that you're excited about. You can find us on MaximumFun.org or iTunes or wherever. I don't know, just search Wonderful. Google it, you'll probably get there. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Ophira Eisenberg with six and a half points and Charles Bush with one and a half points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen. 
Charles Bush, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about women's fashion of the 1930s, the movie Rosemary's Baby, and Betty Davis. Today we're going to ask you about women's fashion of the 1930s. You're, you seem a little... Uh, this is, this <laughs> of all the three, this is my uh, most, uh, most vulnerable. Most yeah. vulnerable. All right. We'll, let, we'll, 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 uh, we'll get to the questions in a moment, but first okay. let's talk a little bit about your love of this. Uh, so what, what was it about women's fashion in the 1930s that uh, you find so interesting and enjoyable? Well, um, in those in the movies of the, of the '30s, you know the, the the women they go from it ranges from you know great great elegance of the the you know um, beautiful um, evening gowns that are so close to the body and trail on the floor, and then you know then just the, the tough, tough tootsies you know walking <laughs> down the streets in the in the afternoon with the Cloche hats and it's it's very sexy and kind of tough. And uh, you said that when you perform in drag, you often uh, wear clothes of that era. Is there certain I've favorite? A couple, th- I've done yeah. a couple. A couple plays. Um, Is there a favorite type of clothing in particular that you like to wear from that uh, time? Well. Personally, I try to stay away from the bias cut because uh, it's very unforgiving, and you know <laughs> my anatomy sometimes is at, at odds with the uh, the style. So uh, yeah, yeah, a lot can be done with a, a simple drape. Yeah. <laughs> Put it that way, it saves a lot of pain. And is there? <laughs> I'll uh, leave it at that. I'll and leave it at that. Was there favorite designers that you had in particular of that era? Well, um, as far as the mo- movies go, um, you know the great fashion designer was Adrian. Mm-hmm. At, at MGM, and uh, but uh, as far as Dietrich, uh, she had a, gr- a wonderful collaboration with um, Travis Banton. You know, and there, there, there's, there's a number of just in the movies, history of the movies, great collaborations between a specific actress and a sp- specific um, designer. Like mm-hmm. later on, it was Audrey Hepburn and Givenchy, and mm-hmm. and so one of the great collaborations was uh, Dietrich and Travis Banton. I've been in a couple of movies, and I wear Target. <laughs> but you would have collaborably done. Yeah, what a collaboration that was. Yes, yes. Tar- that's where I go for drapes. So it's, it's sort of a similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one shop. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in women's fashion of the 1930s to test your mastery in this subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Ophira, do listen closely because you can steal if Charles gets any wrong. Ophira, by by the way, how much do you know about women's fashion of the 1930s? I, I, I just like learned a whole lot from listening okay. to Charles, <laughs> so that, that would be bad. Well, we'll see if any of that comes up. I know that a cloche isn't for me. I've tried to wear them, but I need no. a wider brim. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's the shape of my face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need height. You need height. You need height. Yeah, you don't have a high face? Yeah. Is that what we're I, I don't have a high face. Another thing to think about before I fall asleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the first of your five trivia questions about women's fashion of the 1930s. Later known for her women's suits and her signature fragrance number five, what French fashion designer reached the peak of her fame in 1935? Coco Chanel. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. By the way, do you happen to know her real name? Gabrielle Chanel. Gabrielle is correct as well. Very good. Stole my fun fact. Uh, Number two. I have a feeling you will get this. Just like now, fashion in the 1930s influenced Hollywood and Hollywood influenced fashion. What 1939 movie was a showcase for designer Adrian and included a Technicolor fashion show in an otherwise black and white movie? The Women. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. (laughs) 
By the way, we talked about this movie on a previous episode uh, with Alison Becker because that was a movie about divorce ranches and that happened to be uh, Mm -hmm. her topic. Uh, Freaking fascinating. It was great. I hope you enjoyed that episode, which I believe will have aired by the time this one goes out. Uh, Number three, anxiety over World War II breaking out in Europe led some handbags to be designed with a stylish compartment to hold what life-saving device? Give me a hint. Helen, how about that hint? Well, I'm not sure if I get your, your, your meme, but um, I would say gas mask. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. A respirator or a gas mask. Yeah. My hints help. Yay, we're Helen ne- hints. We're, we're neck and neck. I yes. Know. I, know. I, know. Uh, if you, I don't know if you've seen some of these handbags. I, I was looking at them online. I mean, it, they're incredible. They're, they're huge. Yeah, they're huge. And then they have this, this, this otherwise sort of tapered look. And then at the bottom, just this big round area <laughs> to, to hold the gas mask. But now, Helen, the, the, the snoring sounds, how is that... Gas, I believe I believe Helen was breathing. She was trying to show breathing. <sighs> oh, yeah. So I thought she was talk, talking about a, like a CPAP mask was going <laughs> to yes. be in the yes, purse. Those, those 1930s CPAP machines that were so portable <laughs> a good idea. in light of I World feel like War II. Charles is judging my gas mask sound effect. Yeah, and I, I am. Like how would how would you have done it, Charles? <laughs> oh, you know what? He's got a point. Oh, He's got a point. Yep. I didn't even think to go that route. Tony-nominated writer. That's why. Wow. <laughs> number four, Charles. You are three for three. Let's see how you do with number four. Also known as a morning dress, what popular rap-style dress in the 1930s featured a lap front with a tie, allowing women to quickly cover over the front of the dress if it got soiled during housework? Um, well, I would call it a house dress. Oh, uh, we're looking for something more specific. Huh. Would you like that second hint? Yeah, yeah. Helen, this, how about that second week, this hint? This is my weak spot. This, yeah. uh, Helen, this how time. about that second hint so Charles can judge you on that? Yeah. It sounds like the feminine version of a vacuum cleaner. Feminine version of a vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. It's a word. Sounds. And we're, we're talking about the name of a, of a wraparound dress. Yes, also known as a morning dress that has a lap front with a tie. I'm, I'm going to have to pass. Or just give, give, give any sort of vacuum cleaner related guess. The, 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 the vacuum dress. Was, was it the vacuum dress, Ellen? <laughs> it was not. Not the vacuum. Ophir well, with a chance to steal. Is it called the repression? Helen, <laughs> <laughs> was it? Helen, <laughs> <laughs> was it called the repression? It was not. Delightful as that is. Oh. No, not out loud. No, it actually was called the Hooverette. The oh. Hooverette. Oh. That's right. And Sears sold them two for ninety-five cents. Ugh. Well, if I knew the answer to that, it would be a sad commentary on my life. If I knew, we the celebrate answer. knowledge, so uh, we, we want you to <laughs> know things. All right, uh, let's see if you can bounce back on this one. In 1939, designer Elsa Schiaparelli caused a scandal by wearing what was called a divided skirt, more commonly known now as culottes. While she was roundly criticized in the press, a notable athlete wore one of Schiaparelli's garments in a famous sports competition that year. What was that famous sports competition? I'm going to guess tennis. Uh, more specific, please. The, the women's, I wouldn't even know, it was something called the Women's Tennis Open. Was it the Women's Tennis Open, Helen? It was not the no, Women's Tennis No, with a chance to steal. Uh, Wimbledon? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It was Wimbledon. I, that's the only one I knew. Oh, okay. <laughs> then you got it. That's right. She wore culottes there. The athlete was Spanish tennis player Lily de Alvarez. Uh, yeah, all right. That's a tough one. That was tough. Well, that was that our number was five. Tough. And now things might get tougher, but I, I have a feeling you might do okay on this. Yeah. Uh, here now is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. Thank you, Helen. Well, Ooh. thank you, the two other people. <laughs> we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The correct answer is worth up to three points. 
1935, Benito Mussolini invaded Abyssinia. In response, the League of Nations imposed steel sanctions on Italy. Without steel to make the heels, an Italian designer invented a new women's shoe style based on a simple shape using what was an unusual material for shoes. That designer's work is still in high demand today, and that style of shoe is still in the closet of many women today, and probably on the feet of some people in this audience. For up to three points, what is this still very popular shoe style? What was the then unusual material that replaced steel? And who was this legendary Italian designer? I think it's the wedgie. Mm-hmm. I would think that the, fat, the material would be like, like rattan. Rattan, all right. Yeah. And, and, and the designer? And the designer. Shoe design, Ferragamo. And Ferragamo. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an mm. expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Here with us today, she is the author of several books on fashion, including Fashion Under Fascism, and a professor and director of the Fashion Studies Program at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. It's Dr. Eugenia Paolicelli. Dr. Eugenia Paolicelli. <laughs> Save me. Save save me. Welcome. (laughs) Buongiorno. Professoressa. That ends my Italian for the day. (laughs) Uh, Tell us about the fashion studies program that you actually created at the City University. Yes, it was my love uh, for fashion and and culture. And so and how I wanted to really uh, go in depth and, and see how really... Uh, studying fashion, clothing, you can understand more things about the body, about gender, about culture, aesthetics. So that's how, you know, I started. And yes, and it's going very well. So we excellent. Have what are some of the what are some of the classes that are taught there in that program? Well, one actually is on fashion and film and mm. costume design also. So we do study fashion and technology, uh, issues of sustainability, women uh, labor and issues mm. and globalization. Mm. So we, we you know we, we we touch upon different uh, kind of topics. And you also get to look at pretty pictures of dresses and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> what got you interested in? fashion under fascism because fashion was considered something frivolous and feminine Mm. and not worthy of studying Mm. and my background because I teach not in a fashion school you know university so for me when I when I started to see the the strict connection in politics because of course in the 30s is the periods of consolidation of totalitarian regimes in Mm -hmm. Europe and and so then I I sort of see that uh, Mussolini actually <laughs> thought that fashion and cinema. I was going to say he actually he actually dictated how fashion should should change. Yes, the 1930s is a particularly important period. I mean, for Italy, it's because Mussolini organized uh, a, a fashion body like La Chambre Syndicale de la Couture was in Paris, in place already in the 19th century. So in Italy, they started then because mm. you know there was not uh, an Italian fashion at that point. There were really? a lot of artisans and creative mm-hmm. people, but mm. there was not, was not recognized the, right. as a brand. Well, you, you mentioned about how fashion changes as politics change. Our politics is, is, has been changing a lot over the last couple of years. Are you noticing changes in fashion that correspond to that? Uh, you mean... Uh, late, These days, yeah. Uh, uh, contemporary? Yes, contemporary. Uh, generally speaking, or are you talking to Italy? Oh, no, I guess generally speaking. I mean, we're not exactly under fascism now, yeah. but you know, <laughs> the people... But, uh, <laughs> 
you know, we're not uh, we're not <laughs> not either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just wondering if if, if um, you're if you're seeing examples these days of, of fashion changing in ways that you would have seen back in the 30s. For instance, do you see a lot more women wearing pendants with a middle finger on it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, or coats that say I don't care. You know the difference. Yeah. <laughs> what I think is today uh, there is a large I think the largest variety mm. from which you can really uh, so it's it's a different era, mm-hmm. and I think you know people. Um, uh, have uh, on on the one hand, people have more freedom mm-hmm. to uh, choose, you know, and for uh, uh, their own appearance mm-hmm. and their own image. Sure. On the other hand, uh, it seems to me also a sort of a false uh, freedom because uh, I notice that there's a lot of uh, hierarchy in certain kind of environments, and also the way of reading, you know, colors and cut, you know, all this and the politics. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it seems to me that it's a lot of contradiction. We live in, in a very contradictory uh, society. On the one hand, you know, this freedom, 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 and mm. on the other, you know, you're really under sort of a controlled uh, eye, you know, that you have to fit a certain mm. role in sure. certain, certain particular circumstances I'm talking about. Not when you are in your house and you're on a computer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, I could listen to you talk about this all day, especially in that gl- glorious accent of yeah. yours. But uh, let's get to the reason that we brought you here today. I'm, as far you, as I'm glad you could understand me. Yeah. <laughs> I got about every other word. Um, no, no, no. Completely. I completely understand you. Um, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game goes. Uh, you heard the question that we asked of Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen will remind us of the answers. First, we want to know from Charles, what was the style of shoe that was invented as a mm-hmm. result of the steel sanctions in Italy? Helen, what did Charles say? Charles said wedgie. Yes, professor. the wedgie. It's, uh, it's correct. Correct. That's correct. One point for Charles. <laughs> Char- Charles is smiling for the first time in about 20 minutes on this show. It's great to see well, you. Wimbledon is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I think they should, Wimbledon. Give, you a, they should give you a point. Yeah. Oh, well. Tennis, so. tennis. Well, we were asking. That's right. Uh, Wimbledon. Next, we asked Charles, what was the then unusual material that was used in that shoe? Helen, what did Charles say? Charles said rattan. Professor Ressa? Uh, well, it was, cork, uh, it was cork uh, because he cork, was using uh, yeah, but it was using also different uh, kind of material. Mm-hmm. So he might have used combination. Uh, yes. Of, uh, and, and did I have that right? Was was cork uh, plentiful mm-hmm. because of the wine industry, or was that just a, something mm-hmm. I made up? Oh, this. Or was it the bulletin board industry? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are our arbiter, so if you want to give him the point, yeah, that's up yeah. to you. But I'll, I would. All right, that's another use, point for Charles. Use different, right. uh, use different. Okay. Right. We use different uh, materials. And uh, finally, we want to know the he that you were referring to because, Helen, we asked Charles, who was that designer that uh, invented the wedge that we were speaking of? And what did Charles say? Charles said Ferragamo. And doctor? Yes. That's correct. It was Salvatore Ferragamo. Oh, thank you. you. (laughs) Charles, is there anything you'd like to ask the doctor while we have her here? What are you doing for dinner, darling? (laughs) (laughs) I would love to talk to you. (laughs) Let's all go shoe shopping. Indeed, really. (laughs) Dr. Palicelli, where can people find you and learn more about your work? The Graduate Center. So if they Google, you know, my name or my website. So Eugenia Palicelli. Excellent. Well, grazie mille for joining us, Dr. Eugenia Calicelli. Thank you so much. Oh, lovely. Helen, let's get a score recap as we go into our final round. At the end of that round, Ophira Eisenberg has seven and a half points, and Charles Bush also has seven and a half points. Oh, we got a game, ladies and gentlemen. 
And now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Ophira and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Uh-oh. Charles, you're clear on the rules? I'm gonna, uh, I'll start with her. I'll go to you. All you have to do is say true or false after each uh, statement. True or false. Okay. Exactly. Uh, again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Ophira, Brooklyn Lager is made in Brooklyn. False. Incorrect. No, it is. Charles, the band Queen was formed in Queens. Uh, false. Yeah, I Correct. think that's pretty obvious, yes. Ophira, Wait the Jack... Wait a second. <laughs> I'm sorry, was Brooklyn Lager fine, too tough? Fine, fine, keep going. Ophira, the Jackie Chan movie Rumble in the Bronx was made in the Bronx. Oh my goodness. True. Incorrect. No, yep. it was mostly filmed in Vancouver, which I believe is in Canada. Uh, <laughs> oh, shame. That hurt. That Charles. Cruel. So, no. I thought this was supposed to be an uplifting show. It is. It is. <laughs> well, you're never going to forget that, are you? <laughs> I'll forget it. Don't worry. <laughs> Wimbledon. <laughs> Charles, New York was named after a person. Uh, 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 true. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Ophira, that person later became the King of England. True. Correct. That's right. It was, in fact, the Duke of York who became King James II. Charles, the Borough of Queens was named after that king's wife. False. Correct. That's right. He was named after his predecessor's wife, who was married to King Charles II. Ophira, Staten Island is the only borough that is not connected to the New York City subway system. True. Correct. Charles, the Staten Island Railroad operates only on Staten Island. True. Correct. Ophira, the Long Island Railroad operates only on Long Island. False. Correct. Charles, finally, the United States Supreme Court once decided that Long Island legally is not an island. True. Correct. That is correct. Nine to nothing they decided that. Let's give a nice hand to both of our guests, Ophira Eisenberg and Charles Bush, as Helen tabulates the final score. Depleted. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on today's episode of Go Fact Yourself? I am. At the end of the game, Ophira Eisenberg has 10.5 points and Charles Bush has 12.5 points. Congratulations, Charles Bush. Oh, my God. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Wow. I presume that you prepared a speech. <laughs> no, but I would like to. Uh, my ch- charity gets uh, ten thousand dollars. Is that from right? you? Yeah, sure. Ten thousand dollars to the Charles Bush Foundation. Thank <laughs> you very much, Charles. What will you do with your championship? Oh my gosh! Well, I'm, it's going to be all over Facebook, and uh, it's just gonna be, oh, it's terribly exciting. Really. It is terribly exciting. Very Congratulations! Exciting. I'll never forget it. Thank you. Thank you, Charles, and thank you, Ophira. Thank uh, you. We just want to wrap things up by giving everyone here a chance to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. My friend Ophira, what do you have going on where people can find you? Um, you can find me at OphiraEisenberg.com or at Ophira E. Ophira wasn't available uh, on the <laughs> other social things. And coming up, um, there's ongoing tapings of Ask Me Another at the Bell House. Um, uh, so please come check that out. Obviously, listen to the podcast or on your radio station. Excellent. Ophira Eisenberg, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Charles Bush, what are you going on? Where can people find you? Well, they can find me at charlesbush.com, my website. And I, I've been traveling all over uh, doing my, my very glamorous cabaret act. And I'm going to be in all sorts of different cities. I, I'm going to be I, going to be in Duluth and Kalamazoo. <laughs> and they're fine theater towns, yes. all of them, and Charleston. Uh, so uh, if you, I'm all over the place, and you can find out on CharlesBush.com. Charles Bush, ladies and gentlemen. And that's B U S C H, right? Right. Yes. Nice. Nice. Speaking of nice, your co-host is the lovely Miss Helen Hong. Hey. You can follow me on all the social medias at Funny Helen Hong. Funny Helen Hong. She is Funny Helen Hong. Thanks for being here. 
Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leads me to think Charles Bush, Ophira Eisenberg, Marcel Simoneau, Eugenia Paolicelli, and Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us in person. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like JP's mommy did. She said if you're looking for a fast-paced show that will make your brain tingle, Go Fact Yourself is the show for you. Thanks, JP's mommy. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Caveat in New York City. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Ben Lilly, Anne Houston, Carly Hogan-Dyke, Paula Pickrain, and Cassandra Sampson, and everyone here at Caveat. And Tucker Mitchell, Krista Wozniak, Robert Galinsky, Lisa Troland, Raven Snook, Dave McKeever, and Daniela Zeltzer. I've been Helen Hong! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.